Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Food News and Choose Radio. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Sponsored by uh, Sullivan University. Sylvia, Jeremy, how y'all doing? doing Fantastic. Great. How are you? Fine. Doing good. We're gonna we we got a lot of shows today. We're gonna talk to uh, Jake of Jake Cigar Bar coming up in the second half of the show. Sullivan graduate, great dude, bar owner, no cigars, knows so bourbon cool. <laughs> more than anybody knows <laughs> bourbon as much or better than anyone I've ever met. So we're gonna find out some ins and outs. I, I bet he's entertaining when you go. To oh the, yeah, you go right. Oh, I love Jake. I, I love yeah. cigar bar. I live. I actually live close to there and i'm not saying i moved over there because of the cigar but bar but it, it yeah. didn't you know it <laughs> didn't, didn't hurt you right um today we wanted to talk about ai it's in the air everybody AI talking food. ai <clears throat> and how does it fit into food in the restaurant business and even the food i was reading about molecular cuisine right and that's uh, some famous chef is using For on algorithms Adria, all, oh really this is different than algorithms that exactly help him molecular select ingredients that can who is this guy i can't remember okay Uh, i wouldn't i didn't know the name but he's a big time chef a big time restaurant i mean that's what ai is really good at it's finding it's looking for patterns and finding things and like you you could probably scan menus and see all right 38% 38% of menus are using beets this time of year, which means you should, you know, things so like that. I think that's where it kind of comes in handy. I mean, this is, I think this is a philosophical conversation we're going to have, mm-hmm. right? Because this is just how, how will this affect our industry? And I look at the restaurant side of it with all the automation I, I saw mm-hmm. on the equipment coming. And we're talking about ovens and things that have conveyor belts and light sensors and heat sensors that can you know cook different ingredients that are different things at different temperatures and basically have them ready at the same time Mm -hmm. um so that that does take a lot of um babysitting out of cooking yeah um but there has to be a lot of prep work done and pre-cooking done for that and there has to be a physical contact piece to where you know Mm -hmm. there's cooking done and something putting on a plate and being served so i don't think ai and the automation I think it will streamline well, the industry, like the amount of labor force we have, but it won't get saying. rid of it. No, it, but it frees up right. your staff yes. for serving customers because that'll never go away. That will never. There go are no away. virtual, and we really could use some automation in the kitchen because yeah. it's brutal and it's really hard. Uh, and I think this is a really good conversation. But the other side of this AI stuff is what you talked about twitch it's good at figuring things out so if we have a surplus of beets in this area how do we get them to right. a starving part of the con- or world right i think and i think probably one thing you forecast I, I i think ai is going to be used in the future in kitchens by helping chefs or whatever you what are the food institutions whatever get the ingredients they're looking for sourcing you know well, and we need to talk about that supply chain right you know like your that. sources locally but you might not know a source in let's just pick indiana right you might no, not have a source yeah. there but there might be a guy there who has a lot of beets he wants to unload and, and i keep using beets yeah but you be able to hook up the the buyer with the seller in a way that you might not be able to do without the ai right see that's where i see this really coming into play and making a major change in the entire world especially when it comes to health and wellness and food um is because okay just like the dell factory they kind of made things on demand Mm -hmm. and there's got to be so much inefficiency in the market because of hoarding and stockpiling to make sure that your unit doesn't run out of product right Mm -hmm. and we saw the the food system crash completely when restaurants were taken out of the equation during the pandemic you know the Mm -hmm. grocery stores couldn't keep up right yet we're throwing milk down the trash so i think 
you know, if we have automated systems and delivery and we have better forecasting, then you're not going to have a need for Can stockpiling you know, and a year's worth of stuff where it could be distributed more yeah. evenly, more and, efficiently, and, hopefully and more cost the, the right. Russians are bombing the grain industry, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, and it's going to be perilous for feeding people in the world. And it, underdeveloped countries are going to be the ones that, so, you know, you would hope that this can maybe help with that, with all the negatives that are coming well, up. Well, maybe AI listen, can look at it and go, listen, there's going to be a wheat shortage. Do, yeah. So, you know, you look at the, the artificial are, intelligence does yeah. the math, and it says you're best off planting wheat in, instead of soybeans this year, or whatever it yeah. is. To meet that the kind of worldwide thing. needs. And, well, uh, Chef, what's the difference in AI for high-end restaurants versus, I mean, you go into certain McDonald's now, and there's no counter service. You go up to a kiosk. Yeah. And there's AI at the drive-through. Yeah, uh, you're AI talking at the to AI in some point. In some point, and you where, have burger flippers that are robots. Yeah, you know? I, yeah. I mean, in the fast food restaurants, the automation's been coming for years. In fact, uh, the, all that's left is the worker. I mean, it's almost they've almost taken that out of the equation. But their equipment, you know, is geared towards that. I think the entrance to to buying this stuff is really expensive. If you're a unit like McDonald's and you cook hamburgers and French fries, then you can afford to spend all the money on those pieces of equipment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you know fine dining i think that's it's the new um innovations and reduction of cost on the technology that's already been in the fast food restaurants that we're seeing we're seeing smaller scale more affordable stuff that we can apply certain automation to like let's say sous vide for for instance Mm -hmm. and i talk about that and that's a very basic one guys compared to what i've seen uh, wasn't 10 years ago and in, in fact 10 years ago the circulators were $1,500 to buy one the, the water circulators you know now they're $100 at Walmart yeah everyone can have one right so now um, you know every station in the kitchen could automate one dish sous vide and there's no cooking even period, in a high-end you know? restaurant right so if you have a 20 item menu in four mm-hmm. stations you've taken 25% Which of your menu for $400 and it's cooked itself you That's know all the amazing. all the all the you know, chef really has to do is take it, sear it, and plate it. There's yeah, a plate, lot which less is, going on. Yeah. A lot less cleaning, a lot less me, flames and carbon and grease. Let me ask you this. Uh, like one of the applications is having, and it's called Slang AI, to answer calls and make calls for reservations. Is uh, that possible? I mean, it seems like to me there's still a personal I mean, if you can that, have an automated, you know, you call your bank and you talk to a computer. Or you do open table. Yeah. I, uh, I like it. I think it would be really, I think from what I'm seeing, guys, period. I mean, this is data, real data. 95% of guests out there do not want to talk to the restaurant. They want they to get want on to. their phone and yep, just yep, get yep, a yep. reservation. Yep. Not in, Now, if they have special requests, that's when they call. If they need... And that's what you're not going to get from the computer. Now, I think it probably could be automated to uh, a point where you're at like maybe 80, 90 percent capacity. And then that's where you have to kind of juggle things to make special exceptions for people. So I don't think I'd trust a computer to fully book my restaurant and to handle exceptions and, you know, dietary restrictions and notes. What about things like so what AI is really good at is learning. It's really good at learning fast. So if you have AI in your restaurant, there's some software and you can tell we have a recurring customer. They come in three times a month. Every time they come in, they buy a bottle of red wine. Well, so you can try. So that. you can look and now you go, okay, this person bought this one and the computer says, listen, offer them this bottle of red wine. Right. The profit mar- yeah. margin on this yeah. one's higher. 
So you know what I mean? There, there's things like that that can. How close are we to doing? Because I know you have. Azure does that. You know, we have a system where mm-hmm. we know what people's preferences are. Yeah. How I mean, sophisticated is that, oh, or will it improve? That used to be a major D's job. It's fairly, it's fairly yeah. automated, guys. I mean. Uh, uh, we have your data it's not i mean it's not a game where we actively are marketing to you mm-hmm. and when you make a reservation your name and your phone number and your email are, are put in there and that's associated with the table that you sit at on your computer which rings a check so automatically your profile is saved and when you come back in we'll, we'll notice trends in what you order and over time if we haven't seen you in six months you might get an email with the email address that's you currently. sent me that says hey the lobster crepes you like is that buy one get is one is that what you're doing right yeah. now it, yeah i don't do it though the uh, the ai does it so you already are using yeah, it we're already using it we're already using it, already it, it. it's so it's integrated not, it's, it's a little it's a little guy thing but it, it's well, it works I mean, it's it, so it, integrated it, it runs data it, it it tracks what people do and it tries to bring huh. them back what yeah. about um you know we've gone from advertising in newspapers all the way now to going online and already being done where you can segment your groups and you mm-hmm. can you can target certain people through digital advertising or yeah, how does ai definitely. is ai being used right now to do all of that i think so and i mean get better. i think disguised as something called algorithm algorithms right you know just you know algorithms running back in the the, the marketing filtering programs that are, are doing that uh, you know the other thing that i think is going to really i think help guys is is farming uh, oh yes I, I, I don't yeah you know i'm uh, we always talk like we want to be naturalists on this show and there's nothing to, but i these big huge gps driven tractors they seem like a good idea to me you know to go out there and okay you know we, plant and row you, you bring up of, something interesting the biggest automation that we have in this state just filed for bankruptcy right at, at harvest, harvest. Right. yeah and i'm so scared for those people i mean it's got like 300 people working at this plant and then i don't it's probably just good business since they just grew fast too fast yeah well you know i, I uh, but you know it's interesting because they are so totally automated to grow that many tomatoes well i guess in that case and i you know i was listening to to some people much smarter than me talk about it and they made some comments like they built a huge infrastructure to grow to, to make a product that isn't that hard to grow without the infrastructure. Like tomatoes, you know, you never you run out yeah, of tomatoes. That's right. My father and, had millions. Right. Of tomatoes. So and I and, and and they're not a terribly expensive product either. Right. So and I think App Harvest was more of a proof of concept than anything else. I heard rumors. I don't think it was, but people were, were surmising that maybe they were really growing that they were doing that so they could show they could grow hemp on a big scale. And I don't know if oh, that's the case that's or anything like that. But it does seem like that was a lot of infrastructure so to grow a product that we've never had a problem sourcing. Yeah, interesting. You know? What are your thoughts? Mm. I or they bought, bought all those farms and too fast or something. I don't, I don't really know what to make of it right I now, guys. Can... You know, I, I deal with a lot of fluctuations and availability and quality based on climate change and weather mm-hmm. patterns and things that happen. So. I, I don't know what kind of infrastructure we really need to build. I mean, it may be good that we have this thing there for the future. I don't know if we well, need to hope because it was the hope of. It seemed like a great idea to, to supply tomatoes to the East Coast. I don't know where yeah. the demand wasn't there. I, I mean, it seemed to, but I guess we already had plenty of tomatoes. I thought we were saying. Yeah, that's, and that's what I've heard people saying. Right. And I guess that makes sense. But, but I you're don't. saying it was kind of a way to kind of. They just kind of misstepped a little bit because the idea was to set up the infrastructure yeah. and then do 
yeah, cucumbers. In, 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 yeah, in opinion, in, not just mine, but other people's opinions. I've heard him say this is more of a proof of concept. The show we can grow on a large scale in industrial greenhouses yeah. in places where you and, can't grow and stuff. It seemed like it had to be efficient for and um, transportation. Right. You know, if we're we're not like, shipping from Mexico, but I don't I don't know. Hopefully, I don't think the end goal was just to grow tomatoes. That, I guess is what I'm saying. They still did a misstep here because they you know, shouldn't be in Chapter 11 bankruptcy oh, yeah, either. I don't, yeah, I don't you know, know but I think they did a lot of good too. I think they they help they people did. get jobs and, and, in places and where there weren't jobs. Turn it around. I mean, yeah. that's a reorganization. Bankruptcy statute. isn't death. Is not a death. It's sentence. not death. People it think it is, but it's not. It's a reorganization yeah. kind of thing that they can do. <clears throat> what about me- uh, what about what I mentioned? Molecular cuisine. Well, are I, you? Is that something you would ever think about? I so you I don't kind even of know what phrased it, it differently. I mean, I hear molecular gastronomy, but that's kind of an old term now. That's the stuff that we experience, say, at mm-hmm. Alinea, where we're using. Some food grade products to kind of bend and alter all natural ingredients, you know, and to, to do different things. Mm-hmm. Now, this, what are you calling it? Molecular cuisine. Now, I, I don't exactly know where the AI gets into that. It was, I think, like the ingredients. This chef would like mix up, you know, like, and I don't know. I don't know enough about AI to talk well, intelligently about are, it, but put it into some sort of a program, computer program. There are AI and, for home cooks where you can put in. I'm looking it up. I have. I got tomatoes, olive oil, garlic. You can just name your right. your ingredients, and it will give you a list of things you can cook with what you have on hand. Okay. And so I I'm wonder okay. if it's a it's a version of Who that. Knew? I've got molecular gastronomy, so I'm familiar with that. That's you know kind of the chemist approach, really, to yeah. to cooking. Yeah, which you could put the inputs into a computer program. Yeah, you and can do that. Or you can you can. So I guess that probably would make sense as having. Something that would do the dial in the ratios for you. Right, right. A lot of these. And maybe twist them a bit or yeah, tweak them. Because, yeah, how do you get more elasticity out of this? Or maybe or a sauce or something, you know? Exactly. Okay, I can see how that could be used because you know, some of these measurements get really precise. And we're talking about like just specs of grams of some of these food grade products you mm-hmm. add to a big volume of liquid to make it do the right thing. It's right. Where do you, do you, do you think we're. Less than 1% by volume. Do you think it'll go so far one way with technology that people will go revert back to? I think just so. cook over fire, you know, just, just yeah, meat go back. and fire. We're yeah. gonna have a we're gonna eat dinner at a place called Campfire mm-hmm. in Carlsbad, California, yep. and that's the concept there is just, Campfire. Just meat and fire. <laughs> meat I and see fire. that you're gonna yeah, <laughs> and do it. I you know I'm gonna take a picture and that way I can write it off, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talk about it in the show. It's it's a done deal. Yeah, I think, I mean, dining out, I think a little bit more automated, but it's probably going to stay expensive. Well, you see things coming back, like quilting and, you know, because people just kind of get so... Crocheting, uh, that's a big thing now. You know, I mean, it's like, no, stop. I do, just want a hamburger. Do you think that, because I don't think about, and we only got about a minute left before we talk to Jake from Jake's Cigar Bar. Great dude, Sullivan grad. We're going to talk to him about bourbon and cigars. Can't wait. Do you think that, I don't think it... I think it's going to more affect the hospitality experience as far as serving. Do you ever see a day when servers will be replaced? No, not Maybe not in the fine dining fine. segment. Yeah. But you're you're not going to see them much in the. Depends on what you're paying for, guys. If you if at McDonald's, probably not. Got probably not gonna hey, have anybody there. I, I yeah, got right, I got right. I got to ask a question. You can see how in 20 right. years McDonald's could fully automate. Have, Sometimes you want to celebrate and be. I served. don't ever right. eat at fast food restaurants, but I have because I've had my grandkids a lot lately. It's expensive, <laughs> in yeah. spite of the automation. Yeah, mine was eleven fifty <laughs> like, the other day for a value meal, and I'm like, man, what? I can get a Wagyu burger with truffle fries at Azor for eighteen. I right, know. I'm no, right. Sit down and eat on a plate. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. So I'd rather really eat there once a week, and then yeah. McDonald's twice a week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Up next, Jake of Jake Cigar Bar on to talk bourbons and cigars and just all kinds of great Unless stuff. Unless McDonald's wants to sponsor. <laughs> yeah. There. Yeah. Right. We're this on. This is Food News and Cheese Radio. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's Food News and Shoes Radio, sponsored by Sullivan University. Welcome back to the show. Jacob, I know him as Jake, and you probably know him as Jake. Clancy, or Glancy, Glancy? Glancy, right? Glancy. I never say it right. Anyway, whatever. Jake Cigar Bar. <laughs> his last name is Cigar Bar, and his name is Jake, and he's a good dude, and he knows drinks and smokes better than anyone. How you doing, man? <laughs> yeah. I'm fantastic. How are you? Doing all right. We're Doing fine. Right. We're fine. Tell us about all the things you're up to these days. We've not talked to you in a little while. Uh, well, right now, I'm in Grand Island, New York, uh, which is in between Buffalo and Niagara Falls. Now, nice. is this work or pleasure? Yes. <laughs> and now I'm doing this phone call. Or now I'm doing the Zoom. I can write the entire trip Yeah, there you Absolutely. go. I love that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, can I use that, too, in some yeah, form? Yeah, you take a picture of your food at a dinner and... Everything that I go out to eat. Yeah, and and then you're done. Yeah, I, 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 my, my, my tax guy says I can't. can't I know, his tax guy. What do they know? <laughs> what do they what know? Do they know? <laughs> so anyway, tell us about Jake's Mine when you get bourbon, back to town. So he says yes a lot. Yeah, well, I uh, I want to know what's happening on a brand and what's uh, what's a lot of growth out there. Yeah, Tell yeah, us about Brandon it. is exploding. Uh, we just got a, uh, a Hampton Inn, which is very exciting. You know, you kind of know when the hotels start coming in that that's kind of the final straw for the kind of tourism in the area and everything, which has been really yeah. nice. It came in right in time for the uh, concourse and uh, Barbasol and all that, so that was that was really nice. We have uh, a lot more. There's more apartments going in out there. There's uh, talk of, of some more restaurants. You know, we'd love wow. to see a couple of local favorites out there. I mean, I mean, it wouldn't mind if you did something out there. That could be kind of nice. <laughs> well, well, well. That'd be cool. Now, now, one thing about the the hotels for you, Jake, is I think you're exactly what somebody staying oh, in a hotel yeah. in in Kentucky is looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lots that's kind of like well, you can just stop the bourbon trail in Brandon. Yeah, yeah. We're we're unofficial. We're the unofficial end spot to the bourbon trail, as a lot of people say. We do yeah. a lot. One cool thing we really do is uh, we work with. Um, uh, these tour buses that do these barrel uh, distillery tours, like horse and barrel tours and things like that. Yeah. And what they do is they they have eggs, and we, we take them up to. We have a private room upstairs. We take them up there, and we walk them through not only how to make our our world famous smoked old fashioned, but but why we make it that way, why we pair it with certain mm-hmm. uh, bourbons and ryes and things like that, and explain to them kind of what the 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 history and a little kind of cigars 101 you know how to cut them how to light them if you've never been to so it's really neat that we we be a part of that if you've never been to jake cigar bar it it, it, the the i call it the new location because there used to be another location across the street but the new location is probably what five years old now it is one of the most impressive facilities it's just it is one of those flawless buildings you go this is exactly this was what built to be, be exactly mm-hmm. what it should what be it exactly is. yeah now tell us it, when you walk in anything uh, t- tell us about you they said you have a private room on the second floor uh, yep. what else so you walk in what's your jake's experience walk up to the bar right well, my, my, my jake's experience with twitch is that <laughs> he only shows up when his wife lets him and scott frazier is willing to pay for it <laughs> <laughs> 
He knows me so well. He knows me so well. You know what's so funny is my friends now call my wife and be like, can can Twitch come out and play? Yeah. I I mean, it is, you go in there and what what I love about Jake's is there's always like five or six dudes who no matter what time of day you go in there, no matter what day of the week you go in there, the same five guys are there and it it is like, and obviously there are other people there, but there's this core of regulars and you go, this is what I've always wanted to be. I've always wanted to be a norm Uh somewhere. I've always wanted Uh to be a regular. See, that's a breath of fresh air for me because I, I don't know. That's how it used to be. And right. You just don't really see that from a place anymore. I'm glad yeah. Jake's is there. It's kind of a haven for us old school what a Kentuckian gentlemen. Yeah. Right. You so, know, we go have a smoke and a bourbon. I was going to say, I bet a typical, it's, it's, a typical person, probably a regular, has a cigar and a glass of something sitting right there. But what's beautiful about these guys, back, huh? they're ambassadors because they're, even though they're there drinking and having a good time, they're also, they'll, they don't mind telling you, they're like, hey, try this or yeah. hey, <laughs> smoke this while you drink this. And it, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a place that you you go in and you immediately go, <sighs> yeah, I can relax. Now there are, our, our regulars are really, really good about that. We love the fact even that what they they do they feel such a kind of pride of ownership of, of the place i mean they a lot of times know more of what's going on there than me that we if somebody starts acting out of line as the employees and stuff we don't even have to take care of it they'll step up and be like hey buddy there was even an incident where a guy was uh, not acting appropriately and one of my big regulars come big d he uh he stood up he's oh, no big pounds, d six foot five you know big big d He's also a, a zoo fan. So, yeah. But, uh, no, he, he steps up, and he throws this guy out. And he can do it. And looks at the bartender and said, and said that guy's not coming back, and you can just put his tab on me. Oh. So he, he made sure we got paid, and he threw him out. Yeah, that sounds like it. That's good. You can't ask for That's a better clientele. That's the sense of ownership that, that we have. No, that that's you know that's what a, a neighborhood no, spot it's, it's should be, but it's much more world class than just a neighborhood yeah. spot. It, oh, but it that's is. kind of the, what's the beautiful it about has it has that kind of mix between it, like <laughs> yeah. world class bourbons well, and facility. Well, that was what was so neat hometown, about you know. the the hotel aspect is because we uh, we have kind of a rewards program and it keeps track of kind of the home base of where credit cards are used in the store, and we hover about. 25 to 35 percent of our business comes from more than 30 miles away wow and that's wow. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's a destination yeah. spot really um, so i need to know yeah, it's something very, very much a destination um you know for our listeners guys the, the i see lines out the door at liquor bar whenever there's some kind of bottle release and back in the day it was pappy or whatever right mm-hmm. now i'm like i'll drive by azura i gotta go to work it's 9 a.m and there's people who lined up all the way to Waffle House, yeah. and it's like, what are they doing? Like, oh, they're releasing the new Maker's Mark, and I'm like, oh. yeah. so what? What's going on out there? I mean, those bourbon craze, but what's hot right now? What are people? What are people going just nuts about? People are luckily. I mean, most of my guy people are kind of bourbon nerds, uh, so you know, there's <laughs> a lot of nerds. cool stuff. Like one of our favorite <laughs> barrel picks we've done actually wasn't from Kentucky. It was from uh, Starlight yeah. up in Indiana. And it was really neat because we were there to pick a bourbon, and then they asked they if we wanted to try. They did a um, a double oaked barrel proof program, and they wanted asked if we wanted to try it. And my wife, being who she is, uh, Autumn from Texas, and goes, "Yep, we'll take that barrel too." And they're like, "Well, wait, no, it's not it's not for sale." She goes, "Okay, we'll just take half of it then." 
And then they're like, no, it's not. It's really not for sale. And then she just stared them down until they went to the master distiller and they sold us half the barrel. I was going to say, I I know Autumn and I'm guessing she left with that barrel. Uh Oh, yeah. No, there's no. Absolutely. I paid for it and she got it. And that's just the way it is. Well, that's good. Hey, I got to ask you, what is on your T-shirt? Help me. Is all I can Help see. Help me, I'm on a family vacation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Now, and it's the... way more appropriate than you could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to ask you, and I've heard this, I've, I've heard different answers from different people, but I, I, I trust you, and I think you know what you're talking about, you know, on, on some things. There's always some bourbon that's very hard to find, and sometimes right, it's like, yeah. like Blanton's. You can't find what, Blanton's. Yeah, what's... I, I get that. But why is Buffalo Trace regular... Run-of-the-mill Buffalo Trace, that seems to be one of the hardest things to find right now. And a lot I don't, of brands. don't know, is there a reason for that? You know, and I hope they don't fault me for this, but it's because Buffalo can. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want. They can create demand, mm-hmm. they can create flow, they can create hysteria over anything at any point in time. And it's just a great drinker, you know? It and is. so that's a lot of people want it just for, for that. And, and after that, period of recent history that shall be unnamed there's a lot of drinkers out there right now so they you know they're going oh, yeah. through a lot of buffalo and they've kind of gotten used to to that kind of stuff and they're not kind of cracking their you know foolproof wellers and things like that so they, they buy those to, to drink and then also it's become i think a lot of it is is getting filtered out it's just that continuation of outside of kentucky yeah, uh, and Buffalo is just such a, a big name thing. Yeah. I mean, I it, it's crazy. Uh, the people outside of Kentucky think that anywhere in Kentucky, the, the shelves are just lined with whatever you want, and it's yeah. just <laughs> not the case. Yeah, no. You know, people tend to look at when you're from out of state, and you you know talk, ask people about bourbon, and that you know someone from Kentucky starts talking about bourbon, and you say, "Well, my daily drinker is." They look at you like right. you have a problem. Like, oh, this is my daily well, drinker. Like, right. this is my daily driver. This right. is my daily drinker. This is my yeah. special occasion right. drinker. You know, this, and, this is my company cornbread. Yeah, this is my family right. cornbread. Yeah. For, <laughs> for, I think for a lot of people, their daily drinker is something like a Buffalo, is Buffalo Trace. Maker, yeah. 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 It is. It Worth is. It. And, you know, I mean, yeah. mine, mine is Benchmark, yeah. which is also a Buffalo product, like you an, know. It, but even, even for the longest time, I couldn't get it. Now, now I do. Now, you guys probably know because you're more in the industry, but there's also a big issue over the last six months because of Sazerac switching uh, distributors, you know, going from Republic to Kentucky Eagle. So yeah. that that caused a lot of mm-hmm. supply and, and, and tension issues and things like that, which hopefully have actually started to get a little bit better and will hopefully continue to. So, so yes, what he's speaking of, speaking yeah. of benchmarks, you, you have to hit certain benchmarks to receive certain allotments of certain uh-huh. brands. Right. And that's, you know, it... it it's an interesting way to go about it. I, I'm sure Jake has more words than me on it, but it, it can be frustrating sometimes. You're, you just really want to pour it really can good be because, like, we'll have a meeting with you know, and I love the, the people at Sazerac. They, 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 they want to get their product as badly as we do. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's but but they literally will come in and say, hey, you need to buy more of this product, this product, this product, and this product, and that will help you with your allocation. Uh-huh. Well, then we go, oh, okay, send us. That product, that product, that product, and that product, and they go, oh, well, that's out of stock, and it's like, well, what? <laughs> you know, it's well, like how how are we supposed to build up our numbers if you don't have the product to sell us? 
And I think a lot of people are the misinformation that, you know, oh, they go, well, to the liquor store. Well, if you own a bar, you can't go to a liquor store, buy a bottle, come back to your restaurant, come back to your bar and sell it. You have to buy from a distributor. You can't just go get stuff off the shelf and bring it in. So there's also that. It's it's Mm -hmm. a little different for for people in the industry. Well, and you can't buy, you know, like it would probably be a lot better if you could buy directly from Buffalo. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, there's there's this kind of artificial middleman that Kentucky has created and they do they do it with cigars too i mean it's even it's even worse with cigars we have to they have they so badly want their three-tier taxes on cigars that even though there isn't a distributor that would sell me cigars from the manufacturer of these big companies like arturo fuente and davidoff i have to be the distributor and the retailer so i have to buy it as a wholesaler pay taxes to the state, then sell it as a retailer and pay taxes to the state. So they're going to get their three tiers, even if they can't find anybody to do it. (laughs) Death and taxes, man. Death and taxes. Can't be avoided. Cannot be avoided. You're out of state. You're just talking about a a bourbon from Indiana. And I'm Mm -hmm. seeing, Jake, I'm seeing a lot of this coming through my door. You know, people bringing in bourbons. And I'll get your opinion on it. You know, there's some producers out there that are calling things bourbon, and mm-hmm. rightfully so, from uh-huh. New York, where you are, from from Indiana, from Texas. What do you think about right. some of these guys? Are are, are you are you find like they're being accepted, or uh, I used to be a hardcore that it's not bourbon unless it's from Kentucky, um, and I still think the best of the best is coming out of Kentucky. But there is some really good stuff coming out of different areas. I think a lot of people don't realize that a, a majority of the brands on say we have a huge bourbon wall with you know a thousand bourbons and bourbons and whiskeys. I mean, probably all of those are made at a total of ten different spots. Right. You know, I mean, it's because they a lot of places are right now they're just buying other people's juice. And putting their label on it, and, you know, they're coming up with their own uh, shtick right. to sell yeah. someone else's bourbon, and that's just, you know, it's fine. But it's just like, well, this is the best thing I've ever had. Well, you just told me that the exact same thing with a different label on it wasn't any good. So what, you know, it doesn't. <laughs> what are some of the psychology? Right? What a business. What are some of the better out-of-state bourbons? Because I, the one that kind of changed my mind, because I was saying really? thing. You changed yeah. your mind. I, See, yeah, everybody because, I talk to is starting to warm up to these guys, and yeah. I'm okay yeah. with it. You High know? West. The, and, and uh, the thing is, I've been blind tasted and sampled, and I've been. I've, yeah. I got to admit, some of them have been all right. High I West, I, I, heart, and I think but, it's out of Utah. Is really good stuff. And Utah, I, isn't that I think it's I think it's Utah where that's from. But there are a few. That, I know there are a couple big ones mm-hmm. out of New York. And I'm surprised that like these firefighters brought some by. I'm like surprised a, that the something. bourbon industry in Kentucky is hasn't figured out a way to block that. What do you like, Jake? So I'd say probably my favorite out of state is Starlight, and then another one. We actually just had the uh, founder out to Jake's. It's out of Las Vegas. It's called Smoke Wagon, and. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he, you know, he kind of reached out to us because of our connection with Tombstone and all that stuff we do on all of our barrel picks. But it had some really good stuff, some, some uh, you know, barrel cut stuff, some, some kind of hotter stuff, really some good things that are coming out of, of what they're doing. Nice. That's awesome. We, we got about a minute late uh, left. It's Jake from Jake Cigar Bar, who is a great friend of the show and a, a great bar owner. Just a, a, a this is the place where adults want to go drink if you yeah. and have a smoke. Yeah, and buy goods. You're still and not yeah. getting free store. drinks. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Well, he said, "I'm not getting free drinks." Well, then I don't know this guy. 
yeah. I was going to ask you. Keep it that way. What is the what in your opinion? What is the under underrated, underpriced the the bourbon that you should try if you even if you know you, you've got what you like you drink with you. What is the one that everyone should try because it's just it's just not it's yeah. underrated. Yeah. I mean the benchmark line, the benchmark foolproof, the those those the single barrel, those are really outstanding for what they are. I mean for the price. They are they're really really good. And pair smoke with it. Yeah, pair uh, smoke. Yeah. That's I would deal. say with that line I probably say anything from Arturo Fuente. A five eight, Hemingways, those would all be fantastic. The guy knows I his love stuff. Love it. Jake yeah. Jake Cigar Thank Bar. You. Thank you so much for being on today, brother. Thank you, Jake. Anytime. From Appreciate anywhere. It. Talk Thanks, to you buddy. soon. Back in a moment, Food right, News thanks. and Choose Radio.